So if you have your Bibles, uh, grab them and turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. Uh, we're going to continue the study that we started a couple of weeks ago, Paul's letter. Uh, this letter to this little church that he planted, this little group of people that he loves in Thessalonica. If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you know a little bit of the context of this group of people and how this whole relationship started. Uh, just a little bit of the backstory. It includes a radical conversion of both Jews and Gentiles. And this little church starts of Jews and Gentiles. They're fiercely committed to community. They're fiercely committed to each other. And uh, at the essence, the essence of this whole letter here is love. Paul's heart for this people, uh, these people are just described in love. This is a bit of a love story that he has for them, but more than that, it's a love story that God has for us, that God has for you. A story of love that includes you and me, just as you are right where you are. This letter begins with prayer and it ends with prayer. And right in the middle where we're gonna be today is uh, kind of the heartbeat of this of uh, these five chapters, uh, there's prayer. First Thessalonians chapter three, verse 12 says, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as it does from us to you. This morning, I wanna talk a little bit about this prayer and talk a little bit about what surrounds this prayer. And then in a few minutes when the message is over, want to give us the opportunity to pray this over one another, to pray this for each other and over one another. First Thessalonians 3 verse 12 in the message puts it this way. May the master pour on the love so it fills your lives and splashes over on everyone around you just as it does from us to you. Jesus gave us two jobs and one prayer. The two jobs, Jesus said, was to love him with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And the second job was to love our neighbors as ourselves. And it's here that Paul is praying that we might live into these two jobs that God, that Jesus called us to. He prays that God's love would pour out more and more in us, that he would fill us and that his love would splash all over the people around us. Here's the full prayer. 1 Thessalonians 3 verses 11 through 13. May God our Father himself and our Master Jesus clear the road to you. And may the Master pour on the love so that it fills your lives and splashes over on everyone around you just as it does from us to you. And may you be infused with strength and purity, filled with confidence in the presence of God our Father when our Master Jesus arrives with all of his followers. Uh, we'll look at this in depth in just a minute. Uh, anyone here so far this season participate in a prom or a graduation? Any, any, gradu any graduates or prom people here? No, no, a few, a few of you, a few, okay. Children or grandchildren, maybe, at prom or graduation. Uh, we got the chance to participate in our daughter's college graduation yesterday. And it was nuts. It was amazing. We had the best time. Uh, some of you know AGB. Some of you have cheered her on for a really long time. Here's just a couple pictures uh, to give you context. 
That's her as like a five-year-old on the Irish lollipops. And this is her in the last few days. Uh, she celebrated graduation at Samford with her friends and a bunch of family. Uh, a degree in art and psychology. She's dreaming maybe one day to be an art therapist. In the meantime, and, and, and forever, she will fill the world with beauty, just as she is. I've been to a lot of graduations, like many of you, I would imagine, and heard lots of graduation speeches and prayers. Anyone here, can you remember anything about any graduation talk that you've ever heard? Anyone? No one? You got a little, oh, you got one back there? I don't know. I mean, I've been to a lot. I remember yesterday's, but if you ask me in a week or so, I might forget what I heard yesterday. These um, graduation speeches and prayers are amazing. But at the end of our day yesterday, I grabbed AGB and I prayed this prayer over her. May the master pour on the love so it fills you, AGB, and splashes over you and everyone around you, just as my love does for you. If you don't know what to pray over your kids or you're not sure what to pray over your neighbors or your coworkers or maybe there's somebody on your street that you don't get along with or someone in your office, what about praying this prayer? What about praying this prayer that Paul prays over this little church? Prayer is not the only thing a parent does, but it is the most important thing. Just an aside, uh, my dad uh, has been with us. Uh, he's not with us right now, but he has been with us the last couple of days. And he always prayed for my brother and I. And some time ago, I was having a really difficult season. And my dad reminded me, he said, hey, I'm praying for you. Just want you to know I'm praying for you. And I said, it's not working, dad. It's not working. And he said something like, well, something must be wrong with you because it's working for your brother. <laughs> Story of my life. Just kidding. Let's look at the prayer one line at a time. May God our Father himself and our Master Jesus clear the road to you. If you've been around the last couple of weeks, you know Paul has been separated from these guys. Some commentators say that it's probably been like a year. He hasn't been with these guys for a full year. And his heart's desire is just to be with them. And he says, man, I'm praying that God will make a way for us to get to you. This, you know the story, if you've been around the last couple of weeks, this persecution came, uh, oppression came, and Paul and his companions took off. But it's been a year and he's missing these guys desperately. If you have your Bible, slide down to verse six. Paul sends Timothy. Uh, listen just to some of this language here. Timothy has now come to us from you and has brought us good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. If you were here last week, you probably heard uh, this same reference in chapter two, verse 17. Paul writes, but brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. Intense longing. Any of you ever experienced intense longing to be with someone? Just this ah, yearning. 
That's what this word longing means. A deep yearning, an inner desire to be with. And I believe this is the kind of characteristic of love that Jesus calls us to. This deep longing, this deep yearning. This kind of love that we have for him and this kind of love that we have for others. I just want to be with them. I just want to sit with them. I think prayer is the best thing that we can do for one another. The second greatest thing that we can do for one another is to be present. Prayers and presence. I don't know if there's any greater gifts that we can give to one another or receive from one another than the gift of prayers and the gift of presence. Paul's longing just to hang out with these guys. He's got this deep longing to just be with them, to laugh with them, just to tell crazy stories about what's been going on, maybe to worship together, a longing just to worship together. Chapter three, the first couple of verses say this. So when we could stand it no longer, (laughs) we thought it'd be best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. A lot going on here. A couple of times, Paul points out a little bit about what's happening. I had to read this a few times to understand what was going on. Paul, actually at this part in the story, Paul's in Athens. He writes this letter from Corinth, but in this part of the story, he's in Athens. And this isn't the first time that he's been in Athens. He'd been in Athens before. And when he was in Athens last time, he writes about being lonely. And he says something in in these couple of verses about being left by ourselves. Paul doesn't like to be lonely. And yet he decides that what's best for him and what's best for the church is for him to send Timothy, not to go himself, but for him to send Timothy there. So Timothy goes, he hears about what's going on, and now he comes back to Athens uh, and, and talks a little bit about what's going on. So verse five, for this reason, when we could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. Paul's concerned that the people of Thessalonica may have started to kind of lose track, lose step, maybe even throw their hands up and give up. Like, I don't know about this whole faith journey thing. Sometimes when oppression comes or persecution comes, sometimes when suffering comes, for a lot of us, when suffering comes, we start to question like, God, are you really there? Do you really love me? Are you for me? Sometimes when suffering comes, people will throw up their hands and they'll go, man, there must not be a God because if there was a God, he wouldn't allow all this stuff to happen. And sometimes it's suffering that becomes a way in which we begin to realize that we need someone greater than ourselves. Paul's concerned that because of the persecution and oppression that's happening here, that this little group of people might fall away. And so he's called on Timothy, go down there and strengthen these guys. And now, and now, uh, and now uh, Timothy is coming back with this good news. Verse six, Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought us good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories for us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. 
For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. Timothy comes back with the most important news that they're standing firm in their faith. In fact, this little community of believers, in spite of persecution and oppression, this little group of believers is actually flourishing. Their faith is strong. They're learning to love each other. They're learning to love their friends and they're learning to love their enemies. And all of this encourages Paul so much that he says, now we can really live. Now we can really live since you're standing firm in the Lord. Don't misunderstand. Paul's not codependent. He's not saying, well, you know, he's not, not, none of that. He's, he's just excited about their faith. He genuinely loves these guys. John the Beloved writes about having a similar connection to some people uh, that he loves, a little church that he helped get start. Third John chapter one, verse three and four says, it gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Most likely John's not talking about his own biological children or his adopted children. He's talking about the children in the church, those that are in the church that are walking in the truth. No greater joy than when my children are walking in the faith. A couple weeks ago, uh, AGB had a gallery opening for her art show that she did as a part of her uh, senior practicum. Bunch of kids were there. Uh, uh, AGB's college pastor was there. Uh, her art professor was there. Uh, I got there late and uh, everybody was kind of gathered around. AGB was on this side of the gallery and I kind of came in late and I was like looking at her artwork. It was the first time I'd seen it in life. Uh, I'd seen it in her book, but first time I'd seen it. And it took my breath away. I was like, holy cow. Like she's awesome. I mean, I knew she's awesome. But she's looking at this work and then looking at the people around her and listening to what she was saying about how God was at work in this, this, and this, and this. I'm over there like so proud. I start crying. I haven't even talked to anybody. I'm standing and just looking at this whole thing. She's on that side of the gallery and I'm on the other side of the gallery. She's surrounded by all her friends and she yells across the gallery, Dad, are you crying? <laughs> I said, yeah, yes. Not now and not anymore, but yes, I'm crying. I was so overwhelmed. And then her college pastor pulled me aside. And a few minutes later, her art professor pulled us aside. And they talked about her faith. And they talked about her personality. And they talked about her joy. And I think we, I don't think we actually walked out of there. I think we floated out of there. We were just like, holy cow. Now listen, there are times in that story there have been times in our story where that wasn't the case. Times when teachers called Times when the assistant principal from Harrison called. Times when a coach pulled me aside. Times when an elder pulled me aside. Paul is celebrating. He is fully alive in the presence of God as he rejoices in the life and love of his children. And then he really starts praying. Now he's fully alive. Now he really kicks into gear. Check out verse nine. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul's so excited. Now he's really fired up. He's like, yes, now I'm really giving, you, uh, giving God thanks for you. But notice this last line. 
he says that we might supply you again, su- supply what is lacking in your faith. What's lacking in their faith? It sounds like these guys are doing amazing. I'm reading through this. I'm not hearing anything that's crazy or too far off. And yet Paul says, we wanted Timothy to come to supply whatever is lacking in your faith. I think that's really interesting. Matt O'Reilly talks about the fact that these guys don't need to work harder or strive to be more holy. Paul's writing about their faith as it relates to the range of their experiences and situations that they face. Paul's writing about living out this truth in totality. It's not just certain segments of your life, but your whole life dedicated, devoted to Jesus. Let me see if I can illustrate it this way. Hopefully this this will make sense. When I became a new believer and then Christy and I got married, we were given this Bible. It's called the Life Application Bible. And it's an amazing Bible. It's one of those Bibles that has all the charts and all the graphs and it has all the notes. I just want to read you the note uh, here from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. If we are full of God's love, it will overflow to others. It's not enough merely to be courteous to others. We must actively and persistently show love to others. Our love should be continually growing. If, if your capacity to love has remained unchanged for some time, Ask God to fill you again with his never-ending supply of love and then look for opportunities to express his love. That's so good. That's so right. So as a young believer, read the Bible. Then we're reading these little notes that help us understand the Bible. This, this was amazing. The Life Application Bible is right. It's right. This is right. However, let me just say this word. I think what Paul's talking about here is not merely getting a Bible and applying it to our life. We have this, you know, you and I have this life and we're busy and we go to things and we do work and then we have kids and we have money and we have all these different parts of our life. And so we hear God's word. The temptation is we hear God's word and then we figure out, okay, well, how do I apply God's word to this part of my life? I think that's right, but I don't think that's the whole story. I only think that's part of the story. The story is bigger than us merely applying God's word to our life. Application says, hear God's word, apply it to your life. I think Paul's talking about something deeper. He's talking about the implication of God's word. He's saying, this is Jesus. This is his love. Build your whole lives around this love, around this person, around this death burial and resurrection. We don't just have a life and we start applying truths to it. We build our life around this truth. I think that's what Paul is talking about when he's talking about building up their faith or the parts of their faith that they're lacking. He's just saying your whole life is about Jesus and Jesus's love, not just certain parts of your life that you want to apply truth to. A few weeks ago, we were at Uh, excuse me, a few years ago, we were at a graduation and I couldn't remember the prayer that this graduation speaker prayed. And so afterwards I caught him and I said, you have got to send me your prayer that you prayed. I gotta gotta give you this prayer of implication. This college graduation a couple years ago, this guy prayed this, grant us lucidity of heart and mind to see what's happening here. How thy providence has moved these students 
through us into a future filled with great beauty and blessing, but mingled with misery and grief. Oh God, equip them to shake away the encrustations of cruelty and despair so that thy light of peace and goodness can break forth. Endow them with great empathy and thoughts so that they can cultivate great kindness and visions. Cause their hearts to be big and sore so that they can feel what the hurt and harmed of the world feel and thus incarnate thy love and make the world more just. Keep them awake at nights when they hear the cry of the oppressed. Create in them the virtues of loyalty and courage so that they become powerful members of the body. That's a prayer of implication. Paul prays, and may the master pour on the love so it fills your lives and splashes over everyone around you just as it does from us to you. That prayer is definitely for the church in Thessalonica, but that prayer is not just for the church. That prayer is for all of Thessalonica. In fact, that prayer is for the whole world. That prayer is for you and for me. Paul's not just praying for this little church. He's not just praying for them to get it all. He's praying that this little church will get it so that the whole world would get it. He's praying that this little world would be so, this little church would be so overwhelmed with God's love that this little group would begin loving people they don't love. That they begin to serve their enemies. That, that they begin to forgive people who actually betrayed them. That's what he's praying for. That they begin to care for the people who just beaten them. That's who he's praying for. Well, uh, any of you ever experienced love being splashed on you? Any of you ever like, you know, you didn't do anything. You didn't say anything. You just happened to show up and all of a sudden love got splashed on you. Anybody ever experienced that? Like you were somewhere? Yeah, a lot of us, a few of us, a couple of us. Just me and Rev. We experience like you just show up somewhere and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, what just happened? Yeah, you guys back there? Yeah, that's just an amazing gift of God, right? Just somehow love splashes on us. That might be a really cool lunchtime conversation, just an aside. Like you could say to somebody, hey, can I just tell you about this time when I, I don't even know how it happened, but I was here and all of a sudden love was splashed on me. That might be something that you guys could talk about at lunch or you could call a friend and talk a little bit about this afternoon. How about the reverse though? Maybe more importantly, how about the reverse? Any of you had sin splash on you? Raise your hand if you've had sin splash on you, yeah? I'd imagine just about all of us in this room. Like you didn't surf your way into it. You didn't disobey your way into it. All of a sudden you showed up, you didn't say anything, you didn't do anything, and sin just like, like a tidal wave, just whew. Sin splashed on us. I think that's where a lot of us live. Paul's praying that our response would not come from anger or bitterness or doubt, but that our response from sin being splashed on us is that we splash love on those around us. May you be infused, Paul writes, he prays, may you be infused with strength and purity filled with confidence in the presence of God our Father when our Master Jesus arrives with all of his followers. Paul is standing in God's presence on behalf of the people in Thessalonica and he says, God, 
pour out your love so it fills their lives and splashes on everyone around them and empower them and animate them and motivate them with confidence, with power and purity in the spirit as they look forward to your coming, the coming of the rule and reign of Jesus. What's crazy? You probably know this. What's crazy is God said, yes, yes, Paul, yes, I'm gonna do that very thing you prayed for, yes. According to church history, God said yes to Paul's prayer because what Paul began to pray actually began to happen in this little church in Thessalonica. Uh, you probably know this, but the Roman government was not really happy about these little churches that began to spring up all over the place. Uh, they began to fear that somehow, you know, their rule and the reign, their reign would be questioned because this little group of Christians, these little churches are popping up all over the place. Uh, Rome then began to send spies into these little churches to find out like what's going on there, bring a report back to the government. Do we need to do something about this? Church historian named uh, Tertullian wrote about uh, one response from a spy back to the Roman government. The response went something like this. These Christians are very strange people. They speak of one by the name of Jesus who is absent, but whom they seem to be expecting at any time. Am I? <laughs> How they love him. And how they love one another. What if, let's just say, what if the government sent some spies into this little church to kind of find out what's going on in there? What would be the spies' report if he went back to the government? I mean, they're a peculiar people, that bunch. They worship in the round. I don't know what's going on there. But what would they say about our collective commitment to Christ? What would they say about our devotion to him and our devotion to one another? I mean, they kind of love each other. It wasn't that big of a deal, though. What would they say about you? My prayer for my kid and our family and your family and this faith family is that our love would abound and it would splash on everyone around us and the whole world would see and know our love for God by the way that we love one another. Real quick, this is the only time that Paul pray, prays this kind of prayer. Some of you know this prayer of that Paul prays uh, is found in Ephesians chapter three, verses 16 through 19. We pray this prayer around here all the time. It's probably, uh, other than the Lord's prayer, this is probably the prayer that I pray most often. Pray it for my kids, uh, for their families, for our family and our faith family. Paul writes, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power of his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
Paul's just praying that we would live into the reality that Jesus called us to live into, that we would love. That we would know this love, that we would live into this love, and that we would live it out in the neighborhood and in the nations. God's saying, yes. I like that prayer. Yes. Yes to that prayer. Yes to that prayer. And yes to that prayer. And because of those prayers, our world has changed. So I thought there's no better way for us to end this message than for us praying. So how about we do that? How about we do what we did a couple of Sundays ago? We just kind of huddled up with the people around us and we prayed this prayer over one another. We'll put this prayer up on the screen, the prayer that Paul prayed. We'll put it up on the screen. And if you just want to take a couple minutes and circle up with the people around you and just pray it over each other, then Brad will come and uh, lead us, continue to lead us in worship. If this is scary and, you know, you're not ready for this yet, that's totally fine too. Just, you're totally fine to stay where you are. If you just want to pray it where you are, totally cool. But if you're, if you're up for it and you want to pray it over the people around you, let's do it. Let's do it together. Let's pray.